gift cards. What is our aversion as a culture to giving cash? That is my go-to snarky response, which is this is this is almost as good as cash, but it's but it's not. It's, it it's costs worse, you the same amount. Yeah, it's, it's a, a worse version, version of, cash. of cash. Yeah, cash is the ultimate in a liquid uh, asset. It's like, oh man, if only there were some sort of gift card that could be used anywhere. Right. Well, okay, but maybe, maybe, maybe you could make a ca- uh, a case for. Well, they're helpful if you're talking about online only gifts where you can't use cash. Right. Why can't you use cash? What do you mean? Well, so, somebody, so they put it in their bank account. Who right. Cares? But if somebody doesn't have a bank account um, or if it's so, so imagine this, right? Imagine it's a kid who doesn't have a bank account and doesn't have a credit card, but you want to give them access to buy music and apps on iTunes. Yeah. I, no, I. So what you're describing is the uh, canonical case for a gift card, but they're used way more than that. Yeah. I, I think it I think there's much there's a much subtler reason that isn't the answer isn't uh, the kid scenario the you know the person who couldn't accept cash for virtually everybody who's receiving a gift card they could have just as easily received a check or you know a, a, a cash or what or whatever you know what I mean like <laughs> Venmo right okay boomer I I think it's a much more um, cultural reason than a practical reason. The practicalities are worse. So, in other words, the, because the practicalities are worse, there must be a reason. There must be something that it's doing, that a gift card is doing, that cash is not doing. Because well, I agree, cash does not feel like a gift as much as it does to fee- to receive this, like, card to, you know, well, with, let's, with let's, credit to somewhere. Yeah, but let's also go back to what's the purpose of gift giving. Right? What is the purpose of gift giving? Uh, the topic is gift giving. <laughs> no, the topic is gift cards. But that's gift, true. Say, uh, gift giving is a uh, gift cards are a subset of gift giving. Right. There's this. There's so, this spectrum between like well, no, flexibility and and concreteness. Right. right? It, it, or, there's this idea of a sentiment, or what do you? What's the signaling that you're trying to give? And um, right. Let's say the evolution of how gift cards came about, and I don't know this how it actually came out or the history of it, but you, it, it was I would give you something. And you'd have no choice on it. You can either take it or leave it. You could That's it. Uh, take it or you could re-gift it or whatnot. Then right. the next level was, then we created gift receipts where it's saying, I'm giving you this thing, but if you want to go back to that store and get something yourself. Well, I um, would say before that is you get the gift, but you know where they got it from. So you can take it back. This is receiptless, right? But you know, they got it from wherever. So you take it back and you're like, Hey, I want to exchange this or I want to return it. And they're like, okay, well, you can only return it for store credit, but you're at the right store, so we can do that. And I right. think a gift receipt is the natural um, extension think, of that. I think the gift receipt has just made that a little bit more official because right. some it, it, store yes, policies exactly. you w- they wouldn't take a store even right. store you credit have to have a receipt, receipt or whatever. Right. And I think what they're what they're acknowledging is some people want what they want. They might want to exchange it, and the gift giving process is fraught with uh, anxiety in that case, where you want to give somebody something, but you know that 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 the the confidence you have that they're going to love what you give is low right so i I would say that there is in the gift exchange process the gift giving process uh there is inherent friction and the the idea is gift cards is is designed to uh reduce that friction to some degree but it doesn't solve the underlying challenge right um Say more about what that friction is. Well, the, the friction of 
is this something you really want? Is this something yeah. you buy for yourself? Is this something yeah. you really, you know? Well, I think, uh, to be honest, the um, ideal of gift giving finds itself having a sort of identity crisis in a world of cheap goods. Like, as as the price, we talked about this a little bit with, um, when we were talking about like the, the buying power of uh, like dollar stores or whatever, where, you know, look how, look how cheap, uh, look what you can get for a dollar. And it's like, okay, it used to be that everything was relatively expensive. Uh, so the gift of anything is like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you an item. Uh, this, this item is, is a thing. And therefore it, it is, you know, not a non-trivial expense. Whereas now it's like, well, you can get a uh, cheap, you know, cheap plastic, whatever's, uh, in bulk for almost no money. And so then what, what's happened is as a result, everyone gets picky because they're like, well, I don't want that. You know, it's the, it's the thing of like when you when there's only one type of whatever it is available in the store, everyone's just like, well, that's the only type of that thing. But when there's a hundred of those, everyone gets the has the luxury of being picky. And right. so now it's like, well, everybody wants the version that they want of the the shirt, the pants, the you know, whatever it is. Uh, right, so, but how many so, gift cards now are not about physical objects, but they're about experiences. So they are restaurant gift cards. One of the interesting things that is inherent in a gift card. Imagine you get a gift card to a, to a restaurant. The difference between somebody giving you that money, the amount of money that, that it costs them versus getting the restaurant is you'll go to the restaurant. If you just get that money, the, the likelihood that you're going to go to the restaurant is is a tiny fraction of the likelihood of you going if you just get the if you get the gift card. Right. So it really is. So it's not just uh, giving you the cash value; it's forcing you to have the experience. Right. Right. Like that's part of that's part of it is 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 that they're sending you on a quest right. to go to, and to be honest, the the restaurant gift cards are one of the few where, like, if I get a gift card to, um you know, a retail establishment, even one that I like, I'm kind of like, well, that's great. But now I feel compelled to like go buy an item, which I may or may not have been planning to do, but it's like, it's like, okay, now I got to have to make a choice. Whereas if I go, if I get a restaurant gift card, my reaction is like, oh, this is either a place I would have gone, in which case it's fine, or a place I wouldn't have gone, in which case it's an adventure. But, but regardless, I don't feel the same pressure to optimize the spending of that money. All right. So the, 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 I think there's different reactions to different categories of gift cards. So there's the uh, to a specific store, to a digital store, to a restaurant or other type of experience, and then the uh, the actual just money gift card, like the debit. Yeah, gift the quasi cash gift cards, yeah. like uh, Amex gift cards, which is which is such a strange such a strange limbo because it's like it's so close to being cash but it comes with this extra friction the first thing i do is turn it into amazon credit oh. i go look up how do you buy because what you can do is you can buy an amazon gift card for an arbitrary amount so what you do is you figure out uh let's say it's a 50 dollars gift card you go buy a 50 dollars amazon card and then what that does is i know i will buy enough stuff from amazon and it'll just automatically get credited that's so that's the the reason Amazon, uh, from my point of view, has the the monopoly, the quasi monopoly that it has, is payment friction or lack of friction, mm-hmm. the the ease of payment compared to the alternatives, and so right because so so I actually had uh, we ha- we had gotten for, from our wedding, which is five years ago, we got a number too- of gift cards. Uh, 
and some were to restaurants. And then I've collected gift cards over the years, and I've just put them in a drawer. So some were to restaurants. Some were, though, these Visa gift cards. I'm like, why couldn't you just written a check or given us cash? Right. Because uh, there's at one point, you had to register them online. Each one, I had to type in the 16-digit code. And it's, it's a like, bunch oh. of work. I'm like, what are you? And you just can't. Put cash in an envelope. And then I couldn't use them online, though. For whatever reason, you couldn't actually use them on an online retailer. It wasn't. Um, it wouldn't work as a normal uh, credit card. Correct. And um, and so I was like, yuck. And so I just had them in a drawer, and uh, we moved all those things. I didn't do anything. I just kind of took them from one drawer and put them in another when we moved uh, uh, apartments several years ago. And it took the quarantine and the pandemic for when we were looking for projects. So we cleaned out that drawer. That's and a project. I, it's a quarantine project. It was, it was a whole project. And I went and I organized, and I had to go to several different websites to look up the value on each of these uh, gift cards. And I wow. put in a plastic bag the gift cards of the ones that like, oh gosh, when am I ever going to use them that are for like restaurants that I don't think exist in this city. Somebody gave us a gift card to BAM, Brooklyn Academy of Music, which is okay. really thoughtful, but it's like when you have to really think ahead for that one. Yeah. That's um, one where it's it's sort of like you've, you've been given an assignment. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then um, someone not for wedding, but well, and actually, it might have been for the wedding, but somebody uh, um, gave us a group of people actually got us a group gift to um, a really nice restaurant, like a you know Michelin star restaurant in New York um, that they want to really treat us to something really nice. And uh, I think it was like a two hundred fifty dollars gift card for this wow. for this restaurant. But uh, th- that was given to us several years ago, and we have not used it because I remember the one time I went. Um, you have to book, this is the, one of those restaurants you literally have to book like three months in advance. So again, it's, it's a little it, bit of an assignment. And it's like, you have to and, like you, and I'm like, commit. I don't know where I'm going to be in three months, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> I might be quarantined. I might be quarantined still. Um, and then, um, but then had all these different ones that I had to look up online, their value that like the basic visa ones. And then I wrote on a piece of tape and put it on it like the value left on each of them and then um for the past several weeks of quarantine like the once a week when i go out to uh do my grocery shopping um i've actually taken these and i go to checkout and i swipe them one by one and it's a whole it's kind of a pain to do because i it's like the modern version of the lady with the coupons i i was yes and i'm like you know what it's quarantine i'm cleaning out you know and Uh, so, it, so you're using them on groceries, basically. Using them on groceries, yeah. Okay. How's that been going? I mean, how many of these do you have? Like, I mean, we we, we had we had uh, probably of the the like the Visa style Visa or Amex. Yeah. We probably had six hundred dollars worth. No, no. So yeah, that's first of all, that's great. How many individual cards? It's probably eight. It's um, a lot then, of cards. But then we still have. Oh, and then we had one for like Williams, Williams and Samoa, Williams and Samoa, William Sonoma, William Sonoma, some William Sonoma, Sonoma. Okay, <laughs> wait, that's not like in Napa Valley, and then there's Sonoma. It's, it's yeah, it's the same word. Is it really? Yeah, uh, William Sonoma, um, and William Sonoma Mumufuku Bar. Wait, Mumufuku. Uh, uh, so actually went on William Samoa. Williams, William Samoa Mumufoku. <laughs> yes. Uh, isn't that, isn't that type of a Girl Scout cookie? Uh, William Samoa. Oh, I, I love the Mumufukus. Yeah. Uh, the milk bar. Um, and, uh, so I actually went on William Samoa, Samoa, <laughs> Jesus. I went on the website uh, for this place and I ordered us a, a, uh, 
uh, an apron because I realized we don't have an apron and in quarantine oh. we're doing some bacon. Yeah, and what's, what, how, how are you supposed to do nude cooking if you don't have an apron? Exactly. Oh, we had a Target one and I used that. I bought something off Target.com and that actually worked out. Like archery supplies? That was a bullseye. Then I have, and, I, and I'm not trying to like uh, class signal here or anything like that, but we, we have a couple to, um, a couple gift cards to uh, Old Navy. I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. No, I, yeah. What are you going to do? It? I, 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 do you, was there ever a time when you um, aspired to Old Navy? Was Old Navy ever like a... Maybe in high school, Old Navy was like cool and and i or maybe in i forget when it came about but may, maybe and maybe i was still like shopping at jc penny sort of thing so like old navy was like better than that but yeah i i because I, I, I have a memory of this also in high school so this would have been like mid to late 90s and so i don't know whether it was old navy's branding and like uh, commercial position was different back then and or my um, perspective coming from oklahoma was like like you said like i'm used to pennies and therefore this is this is like an upgrade but um old navy was only in in oklahoma city and tulsa like they didn't have one in stillwater so and then when i was a senior of high school they built one in stillwater and it was a it was a huge deal and so many of my friends went to apply for one of the retail positions because it was like the cool store it was like you know one of it was the new strip mall that they were building and so they had a they had a they had a old navy i remember when they had a they had a party city they had a Barnes and Noble. There was a Barnes and Noble and and an Old Navy that went up in the same strip mall. Right, and it, and it's like, oh, this is a sudden supply of of jobs of like of like seemingly good jobs that a high school student could get, uh, and so you know they had three positions and a hundred applicants or whatever. I remember actually walking into an Old Navy and they every the the thing that stuck out uh, to me was everybody wearing the headsets. And oh the, yeah, and the music they would play. So like the sales the associates, I mean, they would just play like pop music, top, top 40 music, but they played it loud. I recall. And I recall, yeah. and everybody was wearing like all the sales associates were wearing these, like how much know, do you think those Madonna headsets were? There was a pra- right. Headsets, yeah. Were those, was there a practical use for those headsets yeah, or was they, that, they were definitely or, doing... and, or was it set dressing? It was uh, definitely, costume it was definitely set dressing. They're definitely, it, but they, 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 I certainly, I'm sure they used them, but it was definitely, we right. are they, they weren't energy. like they were non-functional yeah. he- headsets. Right. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering. form over function was the okay. driver of the headsets. That's, that, that's what you're saying? You're saying it was like somebody on the creative side, on the, on somebody the design the, side? Somebody who was trying to think about the in-store experience team. Right. At, at, at part of the, uh, like, the Banana Republic. Like the re- ban- the Banana Republic be like group. That. Yeah. Is that, I it's, remember. It's the Banana remember, Republic group, right? Because it's Banana yeah, Republic. Yeah, it's them and Banana Republic and, and Gap. Gap. And, and then and Gap's the Or is it Gap? One. Is Gap the, but what's the parent company called? I think it's Gap Inc. I think it's I think Banana Republic is the is the parent company now. No, no, no. No, is no. it Gap? It's Gap Inc. Well, whatever. And it was Banana like Republic Old is Navy's the most aspirational brand. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I remember the first time somebody told me that and I you know, my mind was my mind was blown and my uh my innocence was lost. Uh, Wait, that they were was, all related? <laughs> and it was uh it was like, "Oh, okay, I get it. I get it. They're just laddering me up." Oh, going from Wait, you, you, so the, the I just really want to understand your emotional journey that you went on the day that you learned that Old Navy, The Gap, and Banana Republic were all the same company. Yeah. Well, there had been a sort of, um, you know, it felt like I was discovering something. 
to go into, you know, I was, I was a young impressionable teenager. So I'm going to go into a retail establishment, you know, look at all the clothes they have. And then it's going to be like, okay, well let's go over, let's look, go see what old Navy has. Like, okay. We do that. Now let's go over to the gap and see what they have. It's like, Oh, okay. It's a little bit nicer, but you know, cool. And it, it had the illusion of somebody discovering something, you know, we're going to go find our clothes. Cause this is like pre, you know, this is like internet 1.0. So it's, uh, it felt like an experience to go to the mall and to go look at all these stores and then to realize that like, Oh, they're, you know, it's all contrived. It's all like designed <laughs> to get you to feel a certain way. Uh, like, it's, okay. it's like, it's like walking around Epcot center and realizing yeah. that the same kitchens are uh, providing food at all the different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. At all the different uh, and that's why I say it's innocence lost. It's like, it's like that, you know, there's, that's just, that's how it is. But, I remember that Simpsons quote, uh, I don't know why, uh, where Homer says to uh, Lisa when he's like, uh, like pork, bacon, and sausage. And he's like, right, Lisa, like there's some magical animal <laughs> that provides right. us with pork, bacon, and ham. But gift cards. <laughs> gift cards. I think part of the reason people like gift cards is because it's a shiny plastic thing. Yes. It the, feels the actual- like an object. The actual, the actual object, it's like the unboxing experience uh, can be can yeah. be really nice. Like, so we've received a gift card uh, from uh, from somebody that was an Amazon gift card at the holiday times, and it's in the a special times? tin box. It's like in a, in a, and the tin box has, it's like in the shape of like a snowflake. I think you open yeah. it up, and it's like, ooh, an Amazon gift card it's like a whole and, thing and it's it's like okay that's that's better than cash i guess like the experience yeah, and i think part of that cash. is in a world where um cash as a physical object as a bill is much more common then the cash feels more like more of a gift but in our current world we have this like invisible internet money where it's just you know i go to a job they send bits from their bank account to my bank account and it's just a number on a in a database somewhere you know, it's just, it's all just this kind of like invisible flow of things that commingles the most special spending from the, mm-hmm. and the, and the least special. And so I think that's why people are reluctant to give cash in the form that we have now. It's like, if I Venmo you because like, you know, you bought me a coffee or whatever, that's going to be very different than if it's like, here, here I want to celebrate your 40th birthday and I want to give you a gift so I Venmoed you. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wait, okay. So the, the, these are not, it doesn't, you lose the specialness. Right. So I think gift cards are attempting to recreate the specialness that, that, you know, that, that is appropriate for gift giving, but it comes at the cost of a reduced utility in the actual gift. The actual gift is worse to make the gift giving better. Oh, interesting. Right. Cause the, the, the utility of, gift giving is not in the object it's in the experience and right but the i emotions mean it, that are it, it and, would be nice if it's both like right. the best gift is one where like you love the actual gift and it's a thoughtful thing like to me that's what people who are good at gift giving six that's what they're succeeding at they're succeeding at finding a thing that you love it should be a thing that maybe you wouldn't have got for yourself and it should be a thing you enjoy doing and a thing that is thoughtful and feels good to receive you know that one of the things that marie kondo talks about when you're assessing object, you know, whether, whether or not to keep something that was a gift, she said, the purpose of a gift is to be received. And so after the, after you have received it and thanked the person who gave it to you and so on, you don't really have an obligation to keep it like that. That's a separate consideration is whether or not to keep the object after you've received it. 
because the receiving is its purpose as, as a gift. And after it's been received, it's not really a gift anymore. It's just a thing you own. And you can, you know, you can do whatever you want, just like you can with anything else. But in that purpose, cash is not good at being received. Uh, or rather, like, you know, slippery internet cash is not the same thing. Whereas, like, a card is better at being received. And, hmm. you know, a, a thing that's in a box, a thing that's in a special tin is better at being received. Yeah. So, so uh, my, my nephew graduated from college today. Uh, and, or, well, he didn't. I mean, he finished his class. They didn't obviously have a comm- commencement. And uh, uh, earlier this week, I sent him a card, a physical right. card, because I wanted to have him, you know, because I probably would have been there in person had, I, had, had it been going on. And, um, you know, we were sad that he wasn't going to have it. So I wanted to make sure I'd send him a physical card. So I went to the store, uh, got him a card. And, as, and I was going to put cash in the, uh, in, the, in the card because he's, you know, yeah. uh, a college graduate. Of course you want cash. Yeah. Um, Kids like cash. Um, but as I was walking through the drugstore, the pharmacy where I was getting this card, there was that, you know, wall of all the gift cards. And I was like, oh, all maybe the gift I cards. should give gift card wall. a gift card. And I was like, no, it'll be better if I, and then I, uh, and, and then I, then I realized that I was sending the card directly. I was going to mail it, uh, drop it off in the post office on my way back. So, and I forgot to bring a nice enough or, you know, bill with me to give to him. Anyways, long story short. Right, Cause it's gotta be like a good bill. Right. It can't be like, it can't be like a, like the scraggly one. Right. And it, it needs to be a good bill. It needs to be enough, you know, uh, with uh, enough, uh, a big enough guild uh, bill so i was like oh and then so today i'm actually going to text him um a gift card and i don't know i haven't done it yet but it's always been my intention today if i should send him an amazon you know text or find out if he does venmo which i don't know if he does and just send him cash or send him cash through the apple message uh right. through my apple wallet um or send him some other kind of gift card but right what do you what do you, what do you think and it's, weird, do? and it's weird to ask like so it's just he's a it's a it's a college kid right yeah like amazon's pretty good because you know who who doesn't shop at amazon and sort of regardless of what you buy most people are going to buy something on amazon right so that, that's one option i also think that especially if it's a younger person i i actually think it's okay to say hey i want to send you some money what do you prefer because whereas I was just now saying that the specialness of receiving um, Venmo, like you kind of lose the specialness, that's because because I'm commingling it with a bunch of boring stuff like paying bills. But a college student doesn't pay a bunch of bills. Like for them, like they just have they have less money coming in and out in general. Right. So like a, what what is probably for you from from their point of view a a a not insignificant amount of gift money having it be Venmo might be fine because they might be like, Oh yeah, that's actually great. Cause I get it in whatever form is most convenient for me. Like you, you were just listing all the options, right? Like whether it's Venmo or, you know, whatever I, I you know, I actually think I remember being a, a high school graduate and like, or a college graduate. And I always appreciated it when older, you know, uncles and cousins and stuff like <laughs> kind of leveled with me. And I was like, look, I'm going to give you a gift. What do you like? How do you, how do you want this? You know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so that, that's part of the gift is kind of like, um, you know, Brian's being, uncle Brian's being cool with me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, I think that's what I might do depending on the relationship you have is to be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to send you something. What's the best way to send you money. Right. 
Uh, I think I think that's right because and I but I also sent him the physical card that was nice and thoughtful and all that. So you have something yeah, so to open you, up and right. You're doing both. Yeah. You're, you're doing like hey, here's the physical thing with my heartfelt. But uh, and then uh, instead sentiments. of cash in it, he's going to get the cash directly via a text. You know, in some way. Right. Right. Um, so the and other, also I think you you have the kind of the blanket of like hey, it's quarantine. I didn't want to send you cash. Right. You know? Right. Right. Because um, usually cash is king, except in quarantine. Um, so before we close on this topic, something you said earlier, I, I wanted to pick up on, um, about like the, like the, the nature of gift giving as uh, gift cards, putting constraints on, on, on the utility of that gift. Right. Yeah. Um, and in, and it made me think actually of the nonprofit world and, uh, and some of the frustrations that I have with how philanthropy is sometimes practiced. Hmm. Um, and, uh, the the best philanthropy in my mind, uh, when you're trying to find a nonprofit to support, is to find a great nonprofit that you think is well run, and that has a mission that you uh, believe in and aligns with your values, and then make a gift to them that's unrestricted. That just give them money. You just give them money. Just give them money. Uh, right. No strings attached. Don't you know earmark it for anything. Um, because if you think it's a good organization and it's well run, then trust the management. To right. you're, do, you're saying you got to you just trust trust the organization to, to be uh, responsible users of whatever money you give them. Right. Because and I think now this is a little bit <laughs> this is a little bit different than at the you know general at the individual or retail giving level. But uh, it's this is more about organized philanthropy and, and when foundations give out grants, um, and they usually have. Uh, thematic areas or programmatic strategies that they are trying to address and um and they they do programmatic grants so we're gonna make it you know we're gonna give you money to do x y and z we need to have reports every three months about the progress towards you know these goals and everything else and and it's very complicated it takes a lot of time for these nonprofits to apply for these grants and then to follow up with them and, them and report on them and everything else and and there's there's been a while now, and I've been a champion of this effort towards general operating support, GOS, and unrestricted giving, um, because it's it's just so much better. And especially the the calls are coming even louder now during uh, COVID and the coronavirus crisis, because uh, you know nonprofits like like a lot of organizations are strapped for cash, and if they are still hamstrung by right. you know, grant requirements that that really uh is a pain point so and i'm thinking about gift cards in a way our way of saying it's it's better than buying you something for you that you now have to deal with but it's in some ways it's not trusting you to uh to right, do to the just, right to thing. just use the money to use yeah and um, like if I give you the cash, you might use it for something bad, right? right. Uh, so or, I want to make sure you spend it at the iTunes store, right? Uh, or it, it's like I'm going to give you a gift card, but it's going to be to the encyclopedia, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I, to me, some, some, part, a big part of the gift is here's, here's, here's something fun, right? And this is, this is where like I feel like the only gift cards that I think are better than cash are the ones where it's an experience that you'll like that you wouldn't have done otherwise. Right, right. So it, it's restricting you in a sense, but it's restricting you in your own good. It's like a way to treat yourself. Right. And so like... And if it's something you would have done anyway, like if you get a gift certificate to a store you normally frequent, like that's fine, but that's not really better than cash because I would have bought stuff from Old Navy anyway. Right, 
Well, right. I enough, but um, you know what I mean. But I'm just like, using I mean, that as an example. Like, I think a, a typical like Mother's Day gift is, uh, and we've done this in the past, a gift certificate to a spa for a mom, right? right? Or something along those lines, a spa treatment, uh, because it's something that she might not have done for herself, but something, some way you want to treat her and make sure that she does, uh, right. d- does that treat for herself. The other other thing I just want to say about the gift card industry. Uh, do you know? Do you know what the term is for um, the amount of uh, when when gift cards aren't redeemed? Um, free money. I don't know. They call it breakage. 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 Why is it called breakage? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But that's oh, what, that's what it's called. I, I was going to say. I, I assume there's a term for it, but I would assume it's something like. Um, you know, I joke when I say free money, but like that's a best case scenario for the right. Vendor. But maybe it's maybe it's just their way of not <laughs> breakage. Is it was one of those corporate speaks, maybe? Um, yeah. And what, what's the it, metaphor there? Like it breaks off from the amount that I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. But it's okay. evidently, and it's it's huge. I mean, it's it's. Oh yeah, it's got to be. It's just such a huge part of and in, in many one of way, these that's retailers. Like a, it's it yeah. Well, one of the things after at the start of the pandemic, pandemic they were saying is oh, one way to help is by right buy uh, gift cards buy to gift cards to your local restaurants that you love uh, because while they're closed, so you give them cash now and then you can use right. them later. Um, but that's, they also that's different expect if it's a, you not if it's to, a one to three month like time scale versus a six to twelve month time scale. You're right. Well. And buy a gift card to a to a retailer that might go out of business in a couple months I mean, too. And honestly, I, yeah. yeah. What happens when that restaurant goes into bankruptcy and then reconstitutes with the same chef and, and staff and your gift cards, you know, worthless? I don't know. Are you, are, if, as, where are you in the, uh, what's your claim to the, as a creditor, if you're a holder of right. a gift card? In <laughs> yeah. Do you want a gift card to something that goes into bankruptcy? Do you have any claim? Actually, that's interesting because like J. Crew recently filed for bankruptcy and I wonder yeah. what, like where gift card holder, I mean, because J. Crew is still going to operate, right? Bankruptcy is just about restructuring you know, wiping out yeah, equity holders. Yeah, after, after you got savaged by a PE firm. <laughs> right. But I wonder if, like, if they still have to honor gift cards where they where they rank. Um, I don't know. But I. But that's why... That feels like a, it would be a, um, a test question for, uh, like, a, I don't know, would it be a CPA exam or a, you know, certified... Like an certified, MBA, yeah. Yeah, something like that, where it's, like, some professional certification, and it's like, all right, here's the scenario, something-something gift card in a bankruptcy. All right. What's the next topic? Cooking shows. Cooking shows. Cooking shows. Uh, I have largely avoided this whole genre of uh, television. It's a big genre. It's a huge genre. I, I'm, I'm aware of it. it and I, it's, yeah. I am just not, um, I'm not a fan. And I don't know why. Like, I'm not not a fan. I just have not really got into it. Would you consider yourself more or above or below average in terms of how much reality TV you watch? Um, I'm probably over indexed in RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, that sure, but that's that's like you're a fan of a show. That's that's the, you're a fan of one particular show. That's not the same thing as like shows of this type, shows in this genre. Yeah, so that's that's probably the only or the main reality show that I regularly watch. Oh, so I had a friend's uh, uh, 40th birthday in quarantine via uh, Google Hangout uh, the other week, and somebody played a clip a video clip of somebody and and as like a big thing and everybody was like watching it and everybody was like kind of laughing and this and it was like a 45 second clip of this woman wishing 
uh, my friend a happy birthday and she was going on and on and saying some funny things and and everybody seemed impressed and i was like well, i'm sorry who i said I'll, I'll be the one to i i have no idea who this is you don't know who that I have is no, it's like, a stranger this is the stranger to me and how do, how does she know this person our friend how you know and it turns right. out she was a real housewife um oh okay uh, her name is bethany something bethany frank, frank. yeah i'm i'm, and I'm as ignorant i think i'd heard that name before i so i'm not like completely ignorant so i've heard right. her name at least but I, I had no idea i i did not recognize her whatsoever and i couldn't tell you anything about her except for now i've seen 45 seconds of video of her wishing my friend a happy birthday and and who knew her to ask for that or what was the connection to the friend he, evidently he's a big fan no, I understand he's a fan, but I'm saying like, did, was it just a, oh, like actually don't does somebody know, know somebody or it, it, it? We 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 kind of moved on, and I think there are services where you can do this, you know, where right you can just request and like a celebrity video, yeah. And so maybe okay. maybe it was just that. I don't. I'm not sure if somebody actually. Nope. Nobody knows her directly, was, but maybe somebody knows somebody who you know. But okay, fine. But but the point is that I the, the Real Housewives knew who, the, knew who this is, was. I know that Real Housewives is a whole huge, yeah, massive. There are multiple genre. series yeah. and. Yeah, and and this is also a weird flex of mine to say that I, I'm mildly proud that I've never seen an episode of Real Housewives. I don't know why. I, maybe I shouldn't be, and I'm not trying to be. A, would you say most of your friends have seen it, or would, you know, is it expected that you? I think you know, only only one know? other friend on this call didn't know who she was and was happy that I was the. He, he spoke up and said, "Brian, I'm glad that you, you know." Uh, yeah took one for, for yeah ignoramus yeah um no and, and it's not that i don't think many of them are super fans but they at least know who she is and, and yeah. whatnot and i think i know like a lot of people i like and respect and love um are fans of all these shows right so it's not it's not like a yeah i'm not making a it's kind of value judgment one of the things i think is interesting though about cooking shows as opposed like you know reality shows come in different genres and cooking shows is one of those genres yeah uh, it's it's a subset of the uh usually of the competition genre although they're you know they're probably overlaps in different mm, ways i don't but know usually it's, actually, it's the, no I, I think i think that i don't i don't think so i think cooking shows when you when you say cooking shows i didn't think of the competition shows that wasn't the first thing that came to mind well, okay what are you thinking I'm, of? I'm thinking of um the 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 quasi celebrity chefs who show people how to cook meals yeah, but isn't that usually in the context of like, okay, we're gonna have these, we're gonna have a bunch of, uh, a bunch of cooks, uh, you know, and and we vote them off the island. One no, by I one? think that's I think that's, I think that's a separate genre. I agree, and I think it's so. What, so what's an example of the of what you're talking about? Uh, I think it's it's I think there is the competition shows of which cooking competitions are derivative of those, and then separate from that, there are the cooking shows that are a subgenre of talk shows. Okay, right. And it's basically, it's a talk show, but it's about cooking. And it's like, here's the meal of the day. Let's watch this, how we do this. Yeah, but like, I think Rachel Ray is someone who I'm familiar yeah. with because I also, her studio is uh, around the corner or uh, from my apartment. So I've walked by her studio before and I've seen Just it. Just another weird flex. Yeah, weird flex. I, I live near where Rachel Ray and Wendy Williams are, are filmed. Mere blocks. I don't know her cooking show. Yeah. Um, anyway, and this... Rachel Ray, I believe, and I, I've never watched it, but I've seen, I've stumbled upon her, seen little snippets here and there, and it seems like a little bit more of a talk show, because she has a live audience, and they have, you know, I think they have guests, and and then there are some that I believe are just much more a, a cook in their kitchen, really 
you know, without necessarily guests or live audience, and they're just really good right. at what they do, and people well, love watching of them. Julia Child as the as the archetype. Sure. For that. Sure. I remember during the explosion of cable channels, the Food Network was held up as like an example. Uh, the Food Network and the Golf Network were the two that that people like uh, would trot out as these sort of. Uh, almost punchlines hmm. where it's like, oh, there's, you know, so many cable channels these days. You really think somebody's going to watch 24 hours of golf? You ever think everyone's got 24 hours of shows about food? Who's going to watch those things, right? Hmm. So now that seems, the idea that, that that that's not laughable at all, everyone needs content. But as a result, this, I like the, the idea of the food show that went, that I think, you know, in my mind starts as Julia Child is going to show you how to cook something has, has become all these different subgenres, none of which you watch. None of which I watch. And, but I, it's, it's, it, it's, I kind of put them in the category of sports. Did you ever watch Iron Chef? Uh, I have seen or half watched an episode of Iron Chef. So I've, I've somehow. This is, this is good. Okay. So let's do the, um, let's see if the, if the, you know, geometry of your understanding of cooking shows is is equivalent to or or similar in shape to your understanding of sports okay okay so so well, and let me just, just let name... me just say the reason why I, let me, just to clarify on why i brought up sports is i i respect and i understand why sports are popular and why most people like watching them i i'm not anti-sports right. by and any you... stretch i'm not anti-cooking show i'm not anti um h hgtv like which right. I, uh, other shows that I have, I've only watched an episode of House Hunters because my friend was on it, um, and another weird flex, yeah. but sure. And by the way, they knew they had already like decided on their house, right? But that's what I assumed. Had a, I assume that's how you do it. You go backwards on it, yeah. yeah. Right. And that's why that's why I, I I once sat there, you know, watching this couple complain about the paint color, and I thought to myself. There's just no way that that was the real deal breaker. And right. I thought, okay, so what scenario could it be where they're even going to mention that? Because everyone knows paint color is changeable, arguably the easiest thing to change. Why in the world they, would the producers fed them something act, they needed to give? Yeah, them. and the, yeah. right. And so they're like, well, you, we know you're not going to buy this one because you already bought house number two, so you have to not like it for some reason. Right. And so and so, <laughs> anyway. So yeah. So home and garden. Uh, or HGTV shows, uh, you know, property flipping shows or fixer-upper shows and cooking shows are all kind of like sports to me as well. You've all put those in the same as As junk things drawer. That, that, like, I I get why not people for like you. them. I get it. And I'm not anti. I'm not a hater. I, I don't think people are stupid. Sounds like for, what a hater would say, but okay. Yeah, but, like, I, it's just not for me. I just... If, right. You know, that said, if somebody is watching one of the... Or if one of these shows is on, kind of like... I don't I I don't mind sports being on sometimes as back like I actually love the sound. You, you like the tone. I love the sound of an NFL game on a Sunday afternoon just on in the background. There is something to okay. that. I I couldn't care less about who's playing or anything. No, I, I I have a lot of I mean, I don't know if you do, but I have a lot of like um Pru- almost Proustian childhood memories of sports related things of like hearing sports in the background. Yeah. Or having, you know, you know, you know that like macaron like, you know, dipped in in tea. Uh, yeah, I mean it's basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the it's the sports version it's the sports of that. Sports version of that. Yeah. Um, so go sports. Yeah, Proust was a big fan of NCAA football. <laughs> um, NCAA football that means college football, right? 
or that's correct are there yeah okay so so now you're gonna like quiz me. yes yes but yes but isn't wait there's multiple different there's other different types of college football ncaa is national collegiate athletic Athletic association Association. so so college you know college sports i know there's different conferences but they have different divisions they have you know division one is the is the is the big one everyone's heard of and then they have a they they have you know other divisions for smaller schools but practically speaking, when somebody says, I love college sports, that what they're talking about is Division One NCAA of whatever sport you're talking yeah, about. Yes, so I just fell asleep. So when you grow up in a college town, as I did, you know, it's, it's not so much what <laughs> it's not so much that we had a local uh, major league team of any sort. You know, the closest major league teams were in cities that were many hours drive away. Uh, and so instead, what you have is local college rivalries. And so, and those are, you know, fairly well known on a national level. So that was like our version of kind of a, um, you know, some, 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 uh, sports that, that anyone would care about. Um, but as a result, hearing, especially like radio coverage of a sporting event, because, you know, when, when it's the radio announcer, uh, talking about a sporting event, they're being, they're being, they're, they're visually describing it using their words. And so that's, <laughs> that's much more. They're 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 visualizing wait, wait, it wait, using words. Wait 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 wait. Tell me again about the role of a radio broadcaster. <laughs> what they're doing is they're watching the game, and they're bringing it to life using the power of their voice, their 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 broadcasting capabilities, so that if you're listening to this on the radio solely on the radio, you can picture the game that's going on. Now, since uh, this podcast is uh, an audio uh, medium. Do you think that people are, are repainting the picture uh, for our listeners uh, about to help them visualize what the hell we're talking about? Well, what, what's interesting about the scenario that I'm talking about <laughs> is that it's happening in real time. It's a live thing. That's why people like sports, because the because of the, the inherent drama of a thing is happening in real time. And we don't know what nobody the knows how it's going to yeah. turn out. Right. No one knows the outcome. So so it's so it's genuinely dramatic. Um, and. And you have fans who care, right? They really, they care about this thing. They're paying attention. And in the case of a radio announcer, you're do, it's almost like a translator from one language to another, right? The ideal for, for a fan is usually to be there in person in really good seats where you can watch it with your own eyes, right? And then second uh, best would be a TV, uh, you know, watching it over TV where you can see it and hear it and so on. And with good coverage, it's kind of like being there. And then third, though, is you're listening to it over the radio where you have no picture. So you can't assess anything what's going on except through the words you're hearing from the broadcaster. So, so there's this incredible responsibility for them to translate it from what they're seeing into a stream of words so that you, the fan, can follow. But so there is something about that, the radio broadcast of sports, though, that I think is interesting. Um, in the, the very few times in my life that I've been to uh, a professional baseball game, I've probably been to... 10 games in my life in my whole life and i think one or two of those have been with you uh right and uh the, the, i think i've always noticed and maybe not recently but more when i was growing up and so maybe this is uh, a, a function of the time or the era um but i remember seeing people at the game listening to a radio like with an yeah. earpiece and so I, I, is that right. still a popular thing that I, I think that people, it, I mean, like, they're, they're, people, like being there in do. the stands, but listening because because the, the and it must it might must really speak to the talent of the radio broadcasters, right? Because what you're it's it's like hearing a director's commentary in real in real time. That's that's the, the same reason why somebody might watch 
a director's commentary for a movie is, is the reason why you, you like the broadcasters because they're telling you things you wouldn't necessarily know or notice. So much so that what they do at the U.S. Open, have you, have you ever attended the U.S. Open uh, tennis oh, tournament that's, in person? I've also seen that there, too. They, right. So there, you know, as part of your ticket, when you walk in, they have these, like, swag, branded swag, which is these tiny little radio receivers that hook over one ear and pick up the local broadcast signal so that, you can, so that everybody can hear the announcers, what's going on in the main court. And as a result, you're hearing them talk about what's going on mm. and all of the associated, you know, color commentary and, and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and people who are good at this, people who know that it's partly their job to, to bring it to a lot, who, who like understand the responsibility to, to translate it to an audio medium. One of the things we used to do, which you can't, you can't do what I'm about to describe anymore with, uh, with modern TV signals, but what you could, what we would do is turn on the radio while watching the TV and turn the TV volume down to zero. So you would listen to the radio at the same time you're watching the television. And the reason is because the, the radio announcer is much more descriptive than the TV announcer. Because the TV announcer knows that you, you can see what's going on. Right. And whereas the radio announcer is basically just like do, talking as fast as they can to paint a picture. So they're describing much more detail about what's on the screen that the, that the television announcer is ignoring because they know you can see it. And so it was really cool to hear somebody like basically verbalize everything on the screen. But that only works if you're getting an antenna signal and a radio signal at roughly the same time because they're both over-the-air broadcast signals. Now, with, with if you try to do this with a cable signal and like, I don't know, internet radio or something, they won't sync up and it doesn't work. And they won't sync up because it doesn't work. in when i was in high school my first trip to new york uh we did the radio city nope uh we did the um uh, rockefeller center tour and the nbc studio tour okay and had uh uh, uh, nbc page take us around and uh it was actually really exciting i really uh, enjoyed it um and they're going through the history of nbc including starting with nbc radio and they uh, we were in some kind of old-fashioned like radio booth maybe um, and the woman held up this device and she made it a noise with it she's like does anybody know what this is and I guessed correctly that it was the sound of a baseball bat of a baseball oh is that uh, right bat. yeah it's, it's the faux it's the faux sound of the baseball yeah. bat uh, yeah that was actually it was like a block of wood or something yeah well you know you just heard it that wasn't me click clucking my mouth that was us putting was in, in post-production the actual right. sound just like that um awesome and i remember really being proud. i was really impressed and it, but it also felt fake to me too right you know um yeah because <laughs> it's different from describing something to give a false representation of the sound even though it's accurate in some ways but it's not right it's not precisely the true sound and so yeah you're evoking it but and and it's it's one thing you know we know that in in movies and television obviously you know the whole like foley systems of people recreating sound effects that weren't there at the time right um and that's part of movie magic but in sports you know it kind of like news you want it to be faithful for presenting the truth as as yeah i mean i I do think there's something to be said for you know what is the value of adding things 
that get you away from the factual reality, but maybe closer to the to the truth of the thing. And I'm reminded of the World War One, uh, the colorized and cleaned up World War One footage that Peter Jackson had worked on. Oh yeah, where they colorized it and they slowed it down they, or they well they got they the, stabilized they fixed the frame rate yeah. yeah stabilized it and cleaned it up digitally. But then they also added uh, audio to and you know as faithfully as they could, but it's still it's still artificial audio. To, to paint a picture, to, to give you, the viewer, a sense of what it's like to, to be in that space. And on one hand, you're like, well, this is less true because you're just adding sound effects in 2019 or whatever. But you, the viewer, are more captivated, more transported into that. And so assuming it's a good faith effort and it's, you know, that it, it's close to what it would have been, it's, it's more successful as a communication medium. I think this idea. I think this is this is a concept that I've been skeptical skeptical of, you know, in my youth. But I think the you know I, I'm more um, uh, interested in the in the difference between something that's factual and something that's truthful, because you can have factual things that are untruthful, and you can have less factual things that are nevertheless truthful. And you can have uh, an island full of liars, and a man says, "I only tell the truth." You have an island of people who only tell the truth and an island of people who only lie and an island of people who may lie and may tell the truth. And you land with three parachutes and the ability to ask one question, but only on a Tuesday. And you find out that the chief's eye color is blue if he turns out to be one of the ones on the first of the third island. And how fast was he traveling between those islands? Well, that's what makes it a paradox. Um, so, so that's how we, so that's how you feel about cooking shows. That's how I feel, <laughs> that's how I feel about cooking shows. Um, here's the other thing that, that, uh, I know you know well, and that something, I don't think we I'm not sure if we talked about on this podcast or just in real life. Um, while I, especially under quarantine have done a lot more cooking, um, and I do cook and assemble things. I'm not a very good cook. Like I don't, I, I can, I'm a competent cook over uh, for like the 10 dishes that I kind of know how to prepare. But they're, they're even you something... You stay in your lane. I'm sorry? You feel like you have to stay in your lane. Yeah. And and I can, you know, bake a little bit things here and there. But there's even some things that, like the fundamentals, like I don't think I've ever cut an onion like super effectively. You know, or yeah, I, I feel like uh, in some of the basics that I probably would benefit from watching more cooking shows, right. not cooking competition shows. No, I, oh, I will say that. Wait a minute! I just had a flash. There was a time Tim had me watch, and I got into it. Um, we watched. I've probably seen ten episodes total of the Great British Bake Off on Netflix. I I I know that by title and by reputation, but I've never I've never seen an episode. It's really charming. It's so it's a it is a cooking show because it's a baking show and it's a competition. So you don't really learn like I've I in watching it I never learned anything practical right about mm-hmm. how to like how to bake um that's not why you watch it it's not a instructional it's not instructional right maybe that's a better category uh, that we, we were talking about like instructional versus competition like i think most right. cooking competition shows yeah you might pick up it's some more about things the competition. but it's more about the competition whereas i probably would benefit from more cooking instructional shows but there's something right. about it that i don't know like 
I, I maybe it's like I, the here, fo- can I can I give you can I give you a theory? Well, I have it. Let me let me let me posit a theory that, that that's okay. just come to me that I haven't really thought about before. And then you you correct. Um, it's I I don't want to sit and watch an instructional show unless I'm actually doing it. And I never yeah. am like set up. So if I had, um, you know, if I could watch a cooking instructional show on my phone, on my tripod, in my kitchen, then maybe I'd watch it. But I'm not but, just going to like... But you could. I could, but I don't. You could, but you don't. Yeah, I would say that like, I've learned more from just watching Jess cook uh, or help, you know, assisting than every other method. And it's because it's a, I think it's a three-dimensional thing and, or it's a, it's a multi-dimensional, multi-sensory thing. It's, there's a 3D, 3D environment you're dealing with, you know, you're it's, it's, assembling it's ingredients is, is that, okay, fair enough. It is. It's a four-dimensional environment. You're, you've got three spatial dimensions and you've got this sequence of time, this chronology. And part of cooking is really getting a sense of timing. Like how long does, how long do things take? And figuring out how to sequence them so you do things in the right order. And a lot of my classic mistakes, you know, rookie mistakes have been doing things out of order. Yeah. Because cooking is like comedy timing. I'm sorry. Cooking is like comedy timing. Hey, hey Brian, what's the, what's the secret <laughs> to good cooking? <laughs> Did you say you're not very good at cooking or comedy? Um, yes. But... I would say that the things I've learned from her, I've learned by absorbing them, by being in in, in kind of an apprentice style sure. of like just be a, be around someone who's better than you and and pay attention to what they're doing. And sometimes I'll be like, wait, why did you do that? And she will legitimately not like not have noticed a thing she did because she does it all the time. And she'll be like, oh well, hang on, and have to think about it and be like, okay, here here's why you do that first and then you do that or yeah. you wait for this to happen before you do that step or you you know chop it this way or organize it that way or whatever and there's and like like lots of skills one of my favorite phrases that i ran across recently was reality has a surprising amount of detail and i think that's the case for cooking there's a surprising amount of detail in doing it successfully so if you were to look at someone who who does it poorly or does it in a mediocre way or who's an expert maybe superficially what they're doing could look very similar. You know, you chop the things and then you saute them and then you put them in the oven or whatever it is. But they're, but the results are going to be very different because of the accumulation of all these tiny little choices or a nuance in the way they chopped it or the way they, you know, the specific choice of ingredients and this, the, you know, the way they do things. Um, but that's very hard to learn, to learn via video. Well, that's why I think maybe there should exist I mean, I, this isn't true, actually. A couple of weeks ago, I did watch a YouTube video about how to make an omelet. And and I did watch it in the kitchen. So you took your, like, phone in, into the kitchen and, and, and did it And watch a, watch a little instructional video, and that was helpful. But, like, it was, I didn't, it was, I was just going on YouTube, and I was, it was like, quality control, like, how to find the right video. And yeah, and then. There, there's, like everything, there's a wide, wide right, spectrum and of just, quality. I, and so I, I could put more thought and more effort into this and I could start watching cooking instructional shows um, in a way, you know, using YouTube and finding the right ones and doing it while I'm and preparing the, the ingredients ahead of time and, you know, and start cooking alongside the shows. But I just haven't gotten into that. And I just like, and maybe if I did that though, then I'd get more into cooking competitions. But you know what? I have enough content already I'm trying it's to get not, through. It's not a category you feel like you need. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So what's the next topic? Uh, 